So just to review uh, last fortnight, we've been talking for a few weeks now on um, how the Zen journey from the self-centered self to the no-self, or if you like, to the compassionate self. The compassionate self being the relative absence of the self-centered self, and how that transformation occurs in Zen practice. And it's a lifelong journey, it's not some overnight miraculous thing. And um, for many of the talks this year, we focused on, uh, like, uh, our practice reading more on the duality that lies within ourselves, in the sense of learning how to embrace all the different aspects of ourselves with kindness and friendliness, and to integrate those. And, um, so that, that's, I guess you can call that the whole idea of self-compassion practice. And um, it's, um, and, 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 and when we're taking this practice into our everyday life, um, compassion, I think, is the, one of the, is, is the, is the, is the key, is the central core of our practice. And how to move from self-compassion to compassion for others. And, you know, having that flow of compassion circulating in our lives from to ourselves and to others. And, um, you know, I've often met with people who um, are very focused on, on compassion for others or helping others, whether uh, it be their own family members or whether it be in a professional capacity. And often one of the difficulties people bump up against is a sense of really getting uh, a sense of overwhelm sometimes or a sense of burnout or bumping up against the limitations of that. And, and so that's why it's really important to focus on looking after ourselves and caring for ourselves and being compassionate to ourselves because, and, and Joe Quebec describes that as kind of like we need to move from a sense of relative unhappiness to a sense of relative happiness before we can actually sort of move from a self-centered self to a no-self or a compassionate self. We have to lay the foundation of that so that we have a relative sense of happiness in our own lives because it's very hard to, 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 to be in the world and uh, to, be, to, to be a compassionate presence in the world for others and to be able to be with other people's suffering if we can't actually have a sense of that relative happiness within ourselves. If, if we are suffering intensely, then it's going to be hard for us to bring compassion to others. So it's always, always, always important that we prioritize self-compassion. And, and that's why a daily meditation practice is important. And that just spending that time with ourselves, letting ourselves get in touch with what's going on. And that whole process of the primary practice that we have is just sitting. And um, but like we, I talked about last fortnight, the, the practice of just sitting is the most, it comes from the Soto tradition of Zen, is very simple but very difficult to do. And to actually have a few seconds whereby we're just being one with our body sensations and the breath and the sounds, we're doing pretty good. Often, the, you know, the thoughts and the self-centered self interfere with that process. But, but every time, even for, even if it's just for a second or two that we're, just one with this moment, you know, the self-centered self, the self-centered self is just 
dying just for a couple of seconds. Then it comes back again and we continue the practice. Um, one of the, uh, the Zen uh, koan stories uses the metaphor of a little baby chicken inside the egg which is just, just gently sort of tapping on the egg all the time. So that sense of returning to the, this moment and just being the sensations and not getting caught up in our spinning thoughts and our, our, of our self-centered self. It's kind of like little just tapping on the egg and, uh, and the shell being the metaphor of that sense of separateness, of, this, of the self-centered self which creates the sense of separateness. Not, then all of a sudden maybe that, that egg might break open and we just experience the wonder of what is. And it might only be for a few moments, but gradually over time we, we become more and more open to that possibility of experiencing life which is not less separate. And, uh, and then the, the question then becomes, well, how, yeah, bringing that into our everyday life. So to, um, in today's talk, it's focusing more upon uh, not so much no self, or they go, they go together, but no other. So it's kind of like... Um, as soon as we have a self-centered self, we, we construct a, a, another. That's this, that's, that's this sense of separateness and duality, as and then. And, um, and so, um, everyday life presents us with lots of wonderful teaching opportunities um, to um, observe the process of how we uh, we get caught in our own um, uh, self-centered uh, selves, our minds, and how that creates a sense of separateness. And what we're going to focus on today is just simply judgments and, uh, and how judgments are of others, but also judgments of the self, but today we're focusing more on judgments of others, bring up that wall of, of distance and separation, and how that becomes a, a practice that we can we can use in our everyday life. Um, another practice that we, we do in this center, which we'll probably do next, maybe in the next sitting session, is the, the loving kindness practice, which we've been doing the Ezra Beda one, where it starts off with, may I dwell in the open heart, and may I attend to whatever's blocking the heart, that practice. Um, we might, we'll, we'll, uh, that's one practice that can help us with this. But the other practice is how, how we actually you know, um, every day, in every moment in every day, especially when we're interacting with others, presents these wonderful opportunities for having some insight into how we practice with this. So, when I'm thinking of others, and you know, you'll often maybe have come across that, you know, in social work, you'll, we, we often say, well, who's the closest person to you? And you draw a little circle, you put yourself at the center, and another little circle around that, and another concentric circle around that. So you're kind of like going outwards from yourself to the people who are your most loved ones and dear ones to the next circle. So you're working then you, so then you work maybe towards colleagues and then acquaintances and then people you might meet at the shop and who serve you at the shop, more neutral. And then as you're ex expanding outwards, going to maybe more difficult people in our lives, people who may have hurt us or people who we just find difficult and, and so on to strangers and outward again just to the idea where we expand that to all beings including animals all sentient beings um, so um, 
So compassion towards others. So there's a little story that Jacob Beck tells in her first book, I think. You probably may have come across it, but this there, um, the person's in the rowboat. Actually, actually, another little song. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Which is true, right? We all know that life is but a dream. And we're working from a dream to another dream. But, um, but in, this, in this story, so you're in, we're in our rowing boat and uh, it's early morning on the lake and we're in a really nice sort of mood. And um, it's, but it's a bit misty a bit foggy and in the, uh, we just see this other boat approaching towards us and before we know it this boat's crashed into us and upset our lovely peaceful mood and, 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 and just automatically we're going how dare you crash into my boat what are you doing why can't you be more look you know mindful <laughs> and then we look and we and we see there's nobody in the other boat you know so we're having this uh, great big reaction and there's nobody in the other boat and so very quickly you know when we see that the emotional reaction really burns itself out really quickly um, but that's the metaphor for the, the fact that um, really we're all empty rowboats <laughs> and bumping into each other but the illusion creates this us and them and we start to get the emotional reaction we have our judgments and so, in our practice for everyday life, it's a really good idea to think in terms of our, our bipolar awareness. So, we need to have our awareness in, in terms of what we're relating to within the world, to other people or to objects. To be mindful of our, how we're relating to other people, to our washing up, to our household chores. And at the same time, aware of what we're actually, what's actually going on within ourselves, within our own minds, including our body sensations and emotional reactions to the thoughts that are coming up. So it's, this is bringing zazen into everyday life. The same thing we do on our on our cushions, we bring into our everyday life the sense of bipolar awareness. And um, so. And when we bring that sense of, uh, we can sometimes, for, I think for most of us, habitually, you know, from children onwards, we've been raised in a, with a way in which language conditions us and the way in which we're conditioned by our culture to often attribute causality for our own emotional upsets to other people, you know. So she really made me angry, you know, she really pissed me off, or he really pissed me off, he really made me angry. This sense in which we often attribute our own emotional upset to what other people have done. Uh, but in our Zen practice, we need to pay careful attention to actually how, what you might want to call internal cause and effect. Uh, so the sense in which how our emotional upset, our anger, is often, you'll often find a judgment in there. And, um, and uh, paying careful attention to how our own, how we identify with our judgment. And, and, and then how that triggers a chain reaction in terms of our emotions. And then noticing how that then sets up the duality and the sense of separateness. Um, so, um, one of, a, a really good practice is to 
pay careful attention, even over like a week, you, know, you could set yourself a task to just observe how many times during a week you find yourself judging others and then noticing what effect that, ha that has on the emotional reaction and our sense of duality and separateness. As opposed to um, the compassionate self and noticing how the compassionate self arises because the the emotions that arise from a self-centered reaction are quite different to the emotions that arise from a compassionate response. So I'm going to just give um, three very simple vignettes, some very short stories, um, just from my experience of, of doing this um, over the, the previous week. Um, so the first example was, um, I was with my um, with my wife Annie, who's one of my great teachers, we were, we were all teachers to each other, you know, and, uh, and 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 often our intimate relationships can be where a lot of the teaching takes place. And we were um, in Cross Harbour, and we parked the car near the Happy Frog, and we were going walking through that little alleyway down towards the shopping mall. And uh, there was a woman there who was um, begging. Uh, uh, and um, she was obviously of indigenous origin and I've uh, seen this person or may have been a different person in the past and I've, I've walked past and, and not given any money and by the way when I'm giving these vignettes too there's no right or wrong I'm not saying it's right to give money or it's wrong to give money whatever response you feel is appropriate you follow that I mean, it was very confronting in New York when we lived in New York for three months with a lot of people who were down and out asking for money. But, um, but this is a... So anyway, so I, 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 I noticed uh, my judgments and um, some, some judgments along the lines of uh, is this really authentic? You know, more along the lines of is this authentic? Um, Maybe she'll, you know, if I give her money, she'll spend it on, on alcohol and that's not going to be helpful. Or um, this is not, um, this is setting bad precedent and uh, it's not helping other indigenous people by setting, you know, borrowing, you know, begging for money on the street and having all these judgments going through my mind and, uh, and, 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 and noticing that that sort of not wanting to look her in the eyes and just walk past her right? <laughs> So I'm doing that, and as I'm doing that, of course, Annie stops and looks at her and she said, I some money for a cup of coffee, darling, thank you. And so Annie gives her the, a $10 note, and then we're walking on. And so then I'm having another judgment about that, you know, well, why did you give $10, you know? And, and another emotional reaction which goes with that. And, you know, Annie being the attuned and sensitive person that she is, notices there's some emotional reaction going on in me. So we have a, a conversation about it and I start to share some of the reasons why I didn't give her any money. And, and then Annie starts to feel criticised by me, so the whole thing cascades along, you know. So, all, all from this particular... So we're all ending up feeling really separate from one another. And whereas it might have been just as, a, 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 I mean, I'm not saying I should have given her any money or I shouldn't have, but, um, um, but just, just, just noticing the judgments and, and, and the effect that the judgment has on, on uh, how it might distance us from that, from that person or situation. Um, 
Another, another couple of examples, and then I'll, I'll tie this together a little bit. Um, so again, I was, uh, was this time we were, we were in Bellingen. I was with Annie in Bellingen, and um, we went. Um, we were going to go, go walking down to do some shopping at Kombu, the little health food shop in Bellingen, and that's down Church Street, a lot of little cafes. And so walking down, it's a lovely sunny morning, and notice a black Labrador, and um, we we uh, recognised the black Labrador dog as belonging to one of our friends, uh, who works full time, and. Problem is the black Labrador lives in a house where there's no fence, so he often goes a wandering, um, and he's a very good-natured, friendly kind of dog, and and so he tends to hang out at the cafes, and, <laughs> and uh, people look after him and stuff. Um, anyway, he recognizes, you know, he recognizes the smell of me and Annie because I don't think he sees very well. I think dogs recognize your smell probably, so he, he immediately follows us. So all of a sudden we have a dog with us now. We're walking down to the kombu, and so we um, so we sit down on on the on the seats near kombu, and and uh, so then Annie the first thing that Annie does is that she goes into kombu, uh, and uh, she buys a little very expensive little dog treat for the dog. So I'm on the first judgment. Why are you spending ten dollars? <laughs> it's not even our responsibility. And then, 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 then she then she rings up the owner of the dog and has a chat with her, and and the owner asks if he can take the dog home. So another judgment: How come it's our responsibility now to look after this dog? You know, <laughs> and um, and so we walk. So we walk slowly back. The dog follows us back to the car, and I get to the car. And then of course, this is my new car, which I look after oh, and clean okay. and keep polished. And now I've got to get the dog in the car, it's going to mess up my car, and that's another judgment. And um, so, you know, having all these, all these emotional reactions just to this little dog. And we, we take the dog home, and that's all fine, drop the dog off, and went on our way. And the dog probably, let me, probably went back into town after that, I don't know. Um, and then the, uh, the, the, third, the third example was a, a, an, old, an old friend, He's, I've known him for many years, and uh, about a year or so ago we had a bit of a misunderstanding over something. Um, he felt let down because I changed my mind about something. And, um, and, and unfortunately we weren't able to resolve it very well, and then he went away for a while, and uh, I went away for a while, and uh, we hadn't spoken for a long time. And, um, and, and I think in retrospect, you know, some of my judgments were enough, you know, maybe I felt he'd overreacted and was too overdramatic and I tried to apologise, but you know, I didn't bother really contacting him when he came back into town and um, anyway, we just bumped into each other in town and, uh, and we, we, had, we had a conversation and uh, sort of like resolve some of the misunderstanding but I still went away feeling kind of like out of sync for the day, not out of center, a bit of, not quite peaceful. And uh, and then later on in the day I just, oh, I had this realization that he looked really very sad and as soon as I realized that I had this, my whole mood shifted and, uh, and felt much more open towards him. And um, and hopefully we can can get together and uh, 
um, regime or friendship in some way. But it was it, it was interesting how when I got in touch with his sadness that uh, I got in you know get, got got in touch with my compassionate self a lot more easier. And um, so I, I, I thought about these examples and I thought, well, what is what can this teach us about compassion? And there seemed to be moving from a self-centered judgmental place to a compassionate self seemed to be three aspects to that. First one is a sense of you know mindfulness or presence to this moment, as in recognizing what's going on in this moment. Um, just recognizing a judgment and the emotional reaction to the judgment and how that distances us or separates us. And then noticing what the difference is when we actually may have a sense of so the second one being empathy. So like often sadness is something that brings out empathy and takes us towards a compassionate response. And um, so mindfulness, uh, then finding something in that situation or something about that person that, that triggers our empathy. And then then once we're, that empathy has been triggered, the, the next step in the compassion is what makes compassion different to empathy is the, is the, the sense of wanting to, the, the desire to alleviate uh, the suffering, whether it's their suffering, our suffering, and the sense of you know, wanting to prevent the causes that make suffering arise. So we've, we focus, so compassion leads us not just to empathy, but a sense of sending you know, loving kindness to someone or wishing someone well or wishing someone happy. And that can go both ways at the same time. You know, if, you, if you're ever working with someone who's in a really bad, negative place and you're finding it difficult just to be with them, sometimes when you're sending the love to them, make sure that you're sending it to yourself at the same time. It's sort of like this two-way process. And um, so we're, 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 we're sitting in or, or being in that compassion and loving place when we're with someone who's suffering. It's really important. And um, so I sense, so I, I felt that yeah, that's so that so in terms of our everyday life, a, a simple practice can be just to just to notice when the judgment arises, how the judgment affects us. And is it possible just to you know if, if we notice it's a negative judgment and we, we can we just reframe that little? Is there something we can find in that situation and that person that can can help us get in touch with our empathy and, and our compassion? And so, um, and, and work with that. So that so, um, so, yeah. So these 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 are not you know big dramatic things, but it's, it's good to pay attention to little things on a day by day basis and just you know, notice how these things arise. Because the more we're able to, often when it's a big drama or. Um, um, Sometimes that overwhelms us as well. We're not we're not saints. We're not all you know. We're not all Shakyamuni Buddhas. But the challenge for us is always at our little at our edge where we can notice our reaction. And if we can work with that, we, we sort of just gradually over time we're expanding that ability to of of of, of non-separateness. Um, so it's all relative. You know, we're all at different stages in that. You know, and um, like, you know, we're all human beings, you know, um, you know, whether we're a Zen teacher or not, we, we all have these, um, even someone who's really, um, someone who you might think of being a saint, we're all human beings. And 
we're all, we're all, we all have our edges of where we have these emotional reactions. The, um, and so just um, starting to work with the, uh, the ones that we can see and uh, often ones we can't see, but like, um, it just gives us that sense of being, bringing our practice into our daily life. So I'd encourage you to maybe explore that over the next week or two and uh, maybe, maybe share some of your observations uh, next fortnight when we come back. Okay? Mm. All right. I'll leave it, uh, uh, I'll leave it there. And um, we'll um, 